7.03, and boy, we got another big one on tap for you tonight. It's time for Ira on Sports, 95.9, the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Joining us a little bit later in the show, you're going to love this interview. John Michael, he's the Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy. Ira, this guy's a bundle of energy, and I think we're going to have a really good interview with John later. Well, to be honest, we taped the interview earlier today because he's actually going to be broadcasting a game right now Mm -hmm. during the thing, but... It's a great interview because this week is the, the LeBron reunion tour week. He was in Miami last night, scored 51 points, and now he goes back to Cleveland uh, on Wednesday night. I'll be at that game. I'm really? excited for that. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I said the last time eight years ago, I was at uh, the uh, when he returned from, from Miami, when he went, to, went back to Cleveland, the loudest game I've ever been to. In terms of booing, yelling, whatever, everything. <laughs> and everything. Now, certainly, they, they're going to, they're not, there's going to be no booing at this game. They're going to just give them a standing ovations. But the fact is, it'll be neat to see them come back. No, it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fun week. And John Michael, like I said, Cavaliers radio play by play guy, he's going to pop in right about 7.50. Ira, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. But, um, you know, I want to talk about tonight's game because this is, it could be a Super Bowl preview tonight as we see the LA Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs from a neutral site that's not really neutral. The Rams will be there in a little while. The whole thing's weird. We're going to talk about that. But first, where have you been? Because you were someplace this weekend that I've always wanted to check out. I was probably, I think it's the best stadium. I'm going to say it is the best stadium I've been to, at NFL stadium. And, and I know that's, I, I hate, I would hate if Jacksonville would lose that stadium, lose their team, because I just love going. It's been the fourth time I've been to a game there. I've enjoyed it every time I've been there. It's a tremendous stadium. Of course, I love going there because the Steelers had the most amazing comeback <laughs> in the world, but that makes it a much more exciting to be there. But uh, just a, a, a great time. And before we, uh, before we get to uh, both what happened with the Steelers game, that was an interesting game from start to finish. I will talk about that. Also, the Rams and Chiefs. If you were Mark Sanchez yesterday around two o'clock, did you think your phone would be ringing today? <laughs> well, certainly the injury. I mean, I think if you're if you're a quarterback who's had experience and played in the NFL, and there's in, these injuries do happen. And Alex Smith for the Washington Redskins uh, breaks his tibula and fibula, and uh, you, you hear that news, and then suddenly you got to bring someone in. But I do like the Redskins backup and Colt McCoy. I think he's a very good backup. He's been in the system, and he, he runs the same. He's the same type of quarterback as Alex Smith is. So I'm not going to ask him to do much different than what Alex Smith does. No, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think, you know, everyone's already, uh, you know, Redskins season's over. I don't think it is. They weren't winning games on the back of Alex Smith anyways. Like you said, as long as Colton Coy could come in, not throw some touchdowns, and they could fend off a, a pretty mediocre Cowboys team, I don't see why this division's over. If Pat Mahomes gets, goes down, if Ben Rotzenberger goes down, if Jared Goff goes down, these are quarterbacks, if they go down, the seasons are over for these teams, mm-hmm. including the Steelers. However, I just don't think for the, the way that the Redskins, their, their defense, they, they only throw the ball 15, 20 times a game, and, and Peterson's running so well. It's, they're just a ball-control type team, and I think that Cole McCoy is an excellent quarterback. People remember him from Texas, and what a great college quarterback he was. He has more um, college football wins than any quarterback ever. So he knows how to win games. I'll, I'll give him that. All right, tonight, it's the it could be a Super Bowl preview, and if it wasn't for you know the Saints having a, you know a great win over the Rams a few weeks, ago, I think everyone would be consensus that this was going to be the Super Bowl. Um, these are two amazing teams, and, and I grew up with the original Greatest Show on Turf, and it was so much fun to watch Marshall, Marshall Falk, Tory Holt, and uh, you know Kurt Warner j- just devastate people, and now we're seeing that again with this Rams team. They're playing against the Chiefs, who are just setting records all over the place for uh, most yards. Uh, Patrick Mahomes leads the league in both touchdowns and yards. This is going to be a slugfest, Ira. How do you think it's going to go? 
Well, I mean, it's the two highest scoring teams in NFL history besides the 2000 Ram team. So you're seeing they're both nine and one. They both lost on the road. The Chiefs lost on the road to the Patriots and the and the Rams lost on the road to the Saints. Uh, you know, two very good losses. If you're going to count like college football losing, who you know, what your, how bad your losses were. Both the most explosive offenses, both teams that have terrible defenses that have been exploited, but mm. just their offenses just say they're like I call big 12 offenses. They'll just outscore like Oklahoma. They'll just outscore you and outscore you. The way I see this game, I really like the Rams. I think the Rams defense is underperformed. I, I think they've been inconsistent and I think they have the better players. They have Sue and Darnold and, and Fowler on defense. I, I just think they have a better defense than the Chiefs who, who really don't have any. I just think that their defense is better and I think Todd Gurley is, is, is the difference maker. Todd Gurley is the best running back in the game. He is going to rush for 150 to 200 yards because the Chiefs are terrible against the running back. They're the worst in the league against the running back and I think he's going to catch balls out of the backfield. And I think Gurley's going to be the difference. I think that everyone says it's a three-point game, two-point game. Mm. I, I think the Rams, I know the Rams are favored by three and a half. I think the Rams win by a touchdown or two touchdowns. I, I think this. I think the Rams win this game. And and I think people, I, also, I'm a little biased here. I'm playing, the guy I'm playing at Fantasy has Mahomes and Hill. Oh, so wow. I really need the Chiefs not to do well. Uh, I, I mean, I mean. You, you hit it on the head, and I do think the Rams win. Um, Aaron Donald, the reigning uh, defensive player of the year, has 12 and a half sacks already, more than he's ever had in, his, in a season he's got already. This guy's a stud. You're right, though, and we talked about it on the show. The Rams, this is supposed to, you know, on paper they're the best defense in football. They let up 50 points in the last two weeks and 1,000 yards. So something's not wrong. I'm with you, though. I think it clicks this week. Kansas City's defense is what they are. I don't think they're good. But when your offense scores 35.3 games, at, uh, you know, points a week, things happen. I, I don't know. I, I can't see I can't see Kansas City being able to enough, especially to stop guys like Gurley. It's just it, to me, it's not going to happen. And I, I'm with you. I think this is a seven to ten point ten, seven to point game. But I'm excited about the game because I, again, we talk about oh parody. Everybody likes parody, but we also like two great teams playing each other. And this is what it is. And when when the Bears and the Dolphins when when the Bears had their streak of they were undefeated and they had to play the Dolphins in the Monday night game. And I was in college in 1984, and it was the, it was Dolphins were like the last thing that was going to stop the Bears from having an undefeated season. That was a great game. Everybody remembers those games. I mean, I hope this game is going to be a great game. I hope it's going to be memorable. It's great that it's on a on a Monday night. I mean, how mm-hmm. lucky because these games are not flexed. They can't move the games. This was set a while back ago, and I don't think anyone when they made this game said, "Boy, the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes mm-hmm. is going to have the greatest offense in the world." So who knew this is? <laughs> and it was supposed to be in Mexico, but because of the field, because of the Shakira concert, and because of the field turf, and all these other reasons, they moved it back to LA. So it's being played in Los Angeles, which is a benefit, I think, for the for the Rams. It's weird. The Rams were training in Colorado because to mm-hmm. get ready for the conditions in Mexico, and then they just decided to stay there because of the fires. So it'll be interesting to see. Plus, you have the whole fire aspect and and and, and recovering from that. Uh, it, it's going to be a very exciting game, I'm sure. I mean, ABC, ESPN, if anybody watches ESPN this last week, they've heard promos every 10 yeah. seconds about this. It, it's all they've talked about, and it's all I think a lot of us have been talking about around the water cooler, wanting to see two young, you know, blossoming superstars, arguably the next Brady and Manning coming up in Mahomes and Jared Goff. Um you know, they came out today and said that they're, they're already booking another game for uh, Stadio Azteca in Mexico City. I think this is an interesting—Ike saw this today, and I'm like, that's a weird 
Weird decision to come out with on the day of when you moved the game from their stadium, I. Well, I mean, anybody who saw the stadium turf, it was, it was awful. It was you couldn't look at a high school football field and they they planned that. And, and certainly, I think the players would say we're not playing on this field. But again, I mean, the NFL, I, I I'm going to blame Roger Goodell on this. They have to realize you cannot be playing a stadium. They they knew that they were getting concerts. Anytime you hear about concerts on fields, it it, it destroys the fields because they rip up the they, there's people on the grass. It's not just normal players playing. Um, they played a soccer match last week. Uh, the field had been having trouble, and then the NFL. So we hadn't had a chance to get to the field. Well, you just go to go to the soccer match. Send someone down there. I, I can't believe anyone would. It, it just seems like total fallop on the NFL's perspective. And another, you know, this is ex- like the Super Bowl a few years ago in Dallas when they didn't have enough seats. When they the seats mm-hmm. were the stadium wasn't. They had five thousand seats that weren't the, the sheriff would, fire marshal wouldn't wouldn't say are acceptable. And people fans were sitting underneath the stadium trying to watch the game. I mean, this is a mistake. The NFL should not make mistakes like this. This was like um, reminiscent. I believe it was Ravens 49ers lights going out. Uh, you know, in the middle of the Super Bowl like this things just can't happen not having backup generators like that I mean it's just <laughs> unbelievable this does go on to, onto uh, Goodell's shoulders at 712 it's Iron Sports 95.9 the true oldies channel of Mike Balsamo coming up at about 750 John Michael the Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy it's a great interview you're gonna want to stick around for that um let's talk about it what you think it's it's ever ever quest field ever bank field where the uh, Jaguars play they've changed the name it's ever bank but now it's called TIAA stadium <laughs> no idea all right so you're at TIAA Stadium yesterday. Um, tell us, I've always wanted to see this stadium. So before we get into the game itself, you think this is the best stadium in sports? Well, I, look, the Cowboy Stadium is more is impressive. A lot. I would say the Cowboy Stadium might be more just physically impressive, but I really like the stadium. I really like it from the club level. There's three levels of club seats, not just the middle level. So you can be at the first row up to like 80, and you can have. And there's two levels inside of clubs. There might be a hundred restaurants in there, Crazy. and then not just restaurants. There's plenty of room to walk around. There's people got there an hour and a half before. They're drinking. They're having a good time. They're t- it is just on both sides of the stadium. If you don't want to be on either side, then on the end zones, there's the pool, the famous hot tubs and pools and the cabanas that are on the top, which are amazing to sit in. And I've never been up there, but that looks fun. It's just the stadium was packed. There's a lot of places for things for people to do. It's very easy to get food. It was just a trim. I like that a lot. The scoreboards are perfect. They're, they're so clear. They actually have a scoreboard with just the red zone channel. Because how, many times, crazy. how many times do I complain about going to these games? And I was like, I'm in a vacuum. What's going on in the rest of the world? Like, I need to know what my scores are. I can't get I can't, my Wi-Fi work great. Everything was perfect. It's just a perfect stadium to go to. Everything that I complain about, all these other stadiums, they really didn't have. I mean, it was. it's just easy to get in, easy to get out. Uh, uh, also, they have so many people to help you. Like, you have questions. There's so much security that are helpful. I've never seen this at any other stadium. And the fans are great. They, look, the Steelers and Jaguars have a tremendous rivalry, yeah. and it's been heated. I didn't hear one comment at all from any Jaguar fans. They were they were warm, friendly, inviting, nice. This is the anti-Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny you bring up the red zone, and I feel like this is a very novel concept, is it not? I mean, I've never heard of another stadium playing other teams' games like that on a big screen. Have you ever seen anything it's like the only, that? It's the only place that ever has it. I mean, I, at, I'm at Steeler Games. They don't even put the scores of the other I know, games. it's great. And I'm trying to figure out where I'm at fantasy, where I'm not, and then you don't get cell service. I mean, you go to Penn State games, you don't get anything. I mean, you're just a total. And in this, that's what I'm saying is when you look at these games, you look at attendance, you look at where people are. I think the Reds has got only 60,000. They seat like 85, 25,000 empty seats. And you think about all these stadiums are empty. People are used. They need to be on their 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 
sell devices. They need to know what the scores are. They'd be texting, emailing. That's what people do. And if you make it impossible to find out, and with, if you're going, if you're going to an NFL game, you're probably playing fantasy football. You want to keep track of your teams, and they want to get involved in gambling in the future. It's going to have to be easy. I just, it's to me, you got to make it easy for me to know what's going on in the other games, especially during the three minute television timeouts. Yeah, what am I doing? I'm sitting here doing nothing. Think about what it did for golf, allowing cell phones. You know, they used it, you know, you couldn't even take your phone out when you were on the course. And it was just so much more accessible. I enjoy going to golf more, knowing I don't have someone hawking me for my for my phone. Do you remember the Dolphin, this was back when cell phones were first becoming big, and there was rumors that the Dolphins didn't want you following anything else when you were at a Dolphins game. So they were blocking the signals, and I believe the Dolphins owners were trying to patent a device that you could watch other games on. So they were like, you know, trying to make it so difficult. That's why when I hear about people showing the Red Zone channel, it just it absolutely baffles me. What was the makeup of the stadium uh, fan-wise? Because you guys travel well. 50-50. Yeah. I was the Steelers fans. They're everywhere. It is on the side of the Steelers stadium. I mean, it was like a little pockets every there of Jaguar. And it's neat because it's black and gold versus teal and whatever color they want to say it is. Mm. And you could really stand out what the Steelers fans were. But it made it a very loud game. I mean, it was a weird game, but it was loud because you had the Steelers fans being loud and the Jaguar fans being loud. I very much, I go to a lot of bowl games, very similar to going to a bowl game. I mean, I'm sure people who go to the Florida-Georgia game, which I've never been to, there they, they block the stadium up Florida side, Georgia side. Mm. But it would be similar to that type of environment. It, it's uh, it's interesting, and I want to uh, check out TIAA Field one day. That's It's on my bucket list. Let's talk about the game, Ira. As a Steeler fan, you must have been a little bit worried there. It, maybe even three quarters into the game, it was a little ugly. Well, this game was scheduled at 8.30. It was a night. It was a Sunday night game, but the NFL is able to flex it because Jaguars haven't played so well. They moved it to one. And I, there's a point of the first game where I'm like, the Steelers forgot like the game started at one. Like Maybe they showed up and they thought this was warm-ups. I, this is a team that we saw that scored seven straight touchdowns almost against Carolina Thursday night. That was mm. like eight, nine days ago. And then suddenly they go out in the first half and it, well, the Jaguars had a plan. Their plan was simple. We're just going to run the ball. We're not going to pass. We're not, we don't care what the down or distance is. Very much like a high school football team. And we're going to talk about the Baltimore game, very similar to what Baltimore did. Yeah. So this day, we're seeing a game tonight where everybody's going to pass, pass, Gurley's going to run, but it's a very much passing. This was just running. They ran 18 passing plays and 43 running plays. I mean, for the game, they outscored, they outran the Steelers 179 to 26. But in the first half, the, the Steelers were, they went, they went they had three and out punt, four and out punt, four and out punt, interception, six and out punt, interception. That was their first half totals. Mm. I mean, this is the greatest offense in the world. Juju Smith-Schuster caught, dropped three balls that were right in his hands. Mm. And I'm like, it's not raining. It's 75. Is the sun? You're like, is it not perfect conditions? I could, I saw him drop three balls. Antonio Brown dropped a ball. Uh, ben was throwing balls all over the place. Like, I have no idea what the Steelers were thinking. It was terrible. The only advantage they had was, and they let the Jaguars just move the ball up. They had a drive in the first half that was nine minutes long. Nine minutes long. Mm. I mean, it was like 23 to seven minutes in time of possession and all the Jaguars did was get a field goal so they were up 9 nothing at the end of the first half I mean they were so lucky the Steelers should have been blown out of this game like 30 to nothing how poorly they played but luckily it was only 9 nothing. It, it was a little interesting to me you know I'm watching uh, Red Zone Channel at my house with some friends and we keep asking each other why aren't they showing anything from the Steelers game? <laughs> what, 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 is this game you know, postponed? Then you check your phone. It's like, oh, they haven't scored at all. That's why we haven't seen it on the Red Zone channel. Second half, um, it, it did get a little better, Ira. And then the ending was thrilling. Tell us about it. Well, what happened is that the Steelers defense suddenly said, you know, we're going to show up. Now, they were missing Stefan Tuitt, who was the defensive lineman, mm -hmm. who's one of their star players who wasn't there. And uh, uh, Hayworth came in and played great in the second half of getting they – they finally got like six sacks – but the offense, it was weird because um, 
the Steelers they they go down the field the first possession and then Ben gets an intercepted and uh, but then they called a roughing the passer. Now the fans on that play went absolutely ballistic because it was a really bad call. I mean mm-hmm. it was like it was it was uh, it, um, it was just it was just like I mean they just tackled him really. It wasn't even a rough or anything. And then so they re- took away the interception and then the then the Steelers went down. There was after that then there was a, uh, a necessary roughness penalty. So for that second half it was like eleven penalties for one hundred eleven yards. The Jaguars. Had. It was crazy. And the Steelers come down. So now we're getting all the bright breaks. People are saying, you're trying to help the Steelers win. And then Jalen Ramsey, it makes that amazing interception in the end zone. Crazy. When Ben's throwing to Antonio Brown and Ramsey gets that ball, it was just, ugh. Tremendous. That, no, that was uh, it, that's right. It was a great game. You know, they started showing it a lot more in the second half as the scoring started showing up. You keep seeing these, you know, phenomenal plays. You a little bit worried about James Conner. There was a really just, I mean, it was beyond a quiet game. He he was non-existent almost. And this is coming after Le'Veon says, I'm not coming. Well, he had he had two <sighs> bad drops too. But I would say Juju dropped three balls. Brown dropped a ball. And it was weird. Is after the 16, after that, after the interception, the Jags go down and score, make it 16 nothing with two minutes to go in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were leaving the stadium. They're really? like, the game is over. It's all now. Well, one other thing about the stadium I forgot to say is they have here something that no other stadium has. We sat on like table seats, like bar, it's called a bar rail seat, where you can sit in a chair and then you have a have a table in front of you, and you're on like the 40, like 30 to the 30. You're only 20 rows up, and it's great because you can just go, you don't have to go upstairs. I took my parents who are older, so I don't like to walk up lots of stairs. So it was very easy for them to go back in the back and and not walk up any stairs. And there was nobody in front of you. And it was really, it's a great aspect of that stadium because I've seen that in the end zones, but never like around the 50-yard line. Is, was that a standing room only ticket or you buy that table? You buy that table, you buy you buy a bar stool and it's a comfortable bar stool, but then people behind us bought just the table. So then they buy a ticket and then they could drink off that ticket and eat off the ticket. It's like they buy a ticket and they get $200 worth of food and drink based upon that ticket. But they're standing behind you. So there was a whole hmm. rows of people standing behind. So it was pretty neat. I've never seen a stadium. I've been everywhere. I've yeah. never seen that. I, I, this is why I've been wanting to see this stadium forever. Um, but all right. you got to still watch the game. You don't don't go there and just party. <laughs> I, I never do, and that's why I don't go to enough games. I'd rather be <laughs> on my couch and on my phone if I need to. Um, so tell us about how, how this ends. I mean, the Steelers really... This is a little bit of a statement game for me in the fact that they should have been out of this game five times, especially with that first half. This game should have been lost, and they battled back, and they, they got a victory. What makes me come—you know what's great about the Steelers? And when I looked at that game, it gave me so much confidence. Is like, I don't know any team that could play this poorly. This poorly. This on offense and on defense in the first half. I mean, just not even show up, but still win the game. And that's what I think this team has, that extra heart where they say, we're going to finish this off. And I was just impressed. I mean— everything's the whole game's over and then finally Jalen Ramsey is playing the best defense you possibly can play on Antonio Brown and now they want to trade him and then suddenly Brown got that 75 79 yard touchdown pass and I'm like oh wow that out of nowhere then the Steelers go for two don't get this so it's 16 to six and then they can't go for they couldn't do anything on offense but then suddenly that from the two minute mark to the rest of the game the Jags were going like three and out every time they touched the ball they were afraid to have Bortles pass the ball they were just trying to run it the Steelers defense was going great but the Steelers went on they went eight plays 80 yards and they scored to make it 16 13 with two minutes and 28 seconds left so it's still there's still two minutes 28 seconds the jaguars get the ball and then they go three and out again mm. <laughs> so on a key time they go three and out and then the steelers drove down juju got a 30 uh, his pass on the sidelines I, they haven't shown that as much on tv that was amazing it was right in front of us it was like over the shoulder two shoulders he was twisting in the air it almost looked like lynn swan in the super bowl type of catch <laughs> and then connor dropped a touchdown ball which would have scored a touchdown 
and they're like, oh, no, this is a disaster. Then the Steelers get down to like the two-yard line. Ben throws Ben throw more passes that were ruled, that were intercepted, that were taken away on penalties I've ever seen in a game. I think it was three <laughs> passes he threw that because of penalties, Crazy. but clearly it was interference on uh, in the end zone. Then they ran another play, another interference on the end zone, and then finally on a on a first and what a goal on the one foot line. Instead of having Ben, I thought Ben was just going to sneak it in. He was going to do a shuffle pass, but it was stopped. So Ben just ran it in and scored the touchdown. It was amazing. It was very so emotional after scoring. The Steelers were emotional. Mm-hmm. It was like they won the Super Bowl. Let's see. Did you guys know he scored? It was tough to tell on TV. It was tough. tough. I was in the stadium. Nobody, you didn't know either way what happened. I mean, it was a long delay in terms Mm -hmm. of deciding whether he scored or not. And, but I think what, what, you know, and you were deflated because you saw the interception before they called the penalty. That was a late, late flag. Now you Mm -hmm. saw the replays. You could argue with the penalty, but that flag was very late on the interception. So you saw him throw the interception like, oh, it's over. We lost. And then you're like, oh no, we won. There's a penalty (laughs) or not one, but at least we have another shot. It's 723. You're listening to Ira on sports, 95.9 true oldies channel at 750. John Michael, your Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy he's gonna stop in um we gotta start moving a little faster here i can't believe how late it is already um we talked about how tonight's game is going to be epic rams versus chiefs we got a really good thursday night game last week it was the seattle seahawks playing the packers you love to get into aaron Rodgers on iron sports so tell us about this game i well i just rogers had great numbers but Russell Wilson won this game. And the, the only talk about this was it was Seattle 27, Packers 24. And the key with the game was with five minutes to go in the game, they, the Rams, I mean, sorry, the Packers were down uh, by, they were, it was 27 24. And the Packers, the, the Seahawks had just gone and scored a touchdown. The Packers were down 27 24. And they went for it on, uh, for, they, did not, they did not go for it. They punted with five minutes to go. And the criticism on their own 30 yard line, their own 30 yard line. And McCarthy, the coach of Packers, got criticized. Criticized because they said, "Oh, he should have, um, he should have uh, gone for it." And I don't know any other player would have gone for it. Mm-hmm. But on the third down before, Rodgers made a terrible, terrible, terrible mistake. I mean, it was a pass. It was a two-yard pass. He threw it in the in the ground. And then again, after the game's over, no one criticized Rodgers. It's all. It's all poor Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have a great coach. Poor Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have great wide receivers. And Devontae Adams had an amazing game. Yeah. Poor Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have good running backs, even though Aaron Jones had some great runs. And no one gave credit to Russell Wilson. And no one criticized Aaron Rodgers. But now the Packers are 4-5-1. and one. Seattle's 5-5. Five and five. And that's why now they're talking about this whole week about McCarthy getting fired. Hey, um, I Is there a quarterback in this league that you'd rather have in a two-minute drill than Russell Wilson? Why he's so great is the ability to run around too. He runs around. He can throw on the run better than Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't throw interceptions. You listen to interviews with him. He thrives in this. He wants to have the ball yeah, at the does. end of the game. That whole criticism about the Marshawn Lynch play, I still think in the end – I, Russell Wilson is go, going to go down in history as maybe a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mar- Marshawn Lynch is not in that Super Bowl against the Patriots. I still think that I'm not as critical, critical of Pete Carroll for throwing that ball because you're giving you the ball to a guy you think's better. Now, again, that totally unraveled the Seahawks and this whole thing. But I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. I think he's underrated, and he's been he had a great. It was a great. That was amazing. he's underrated, and he's also the most clutch player on the planet right now. And I think you you know you have to give that to him. And I, you know he's he's an absolute beast, and I love watching the guy. He has play no skill position players right now. They're none. He, he made none. Doug Baldwin. A household name, right? And, and Doug Baldwin stinks. And he's five and five, and they're battling for a playoff spot. And I'm just—it was just—it was exciting game to watch. And again, it's you know, it's great. We got this Monday night game, we got that Thursday night game, we got the Steeler game. There's been a lot of good games this week. Uh, speaking about uh, you know teams that have been going in different directions, what was it two years ago? We got the Falcons in the Super Bowl, and you got Dallas thirteen and three. My, how things have changed. And this was an ugly game, twenty-two nineteen. Dallas does get the win, Ira, but I wasn't impressed with either team. 
You weren't impressed, but Dallas is winning ugly. And the key is we're going to talk about just get as the as the Eagles showed last year, just get into the playoffs. Like you got to figure out a way because anything can happen. Mm. And then and I think that I mean you might get blown out by the the Saints or the Rams if one of your these teams in the last wild card or those things, but. You get in the playoffs, you don't know what's going to happen. And so these teams, so now Dallas at 5-5, five and five, and two weeks ago, everyone said their season's done. It's over. But now they've had these two wins, and now they're 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 talking about the playoffs. And, and you know, the other game that we'll talk about next, we, you know, we mentioned it earlier, the Redskins, who's the division leader, just lost their quarterback to a gruesome leg injury. Actually, I'm sure you saw the stats. It was that exact same day and yard line as Joe Theismann. Pretty crazy how that worked out. Um, Houston versus the Redskins. I don't know what to think of this Houston team. I, I, I do think that the 7-3 and three is a little smoke and mirrors. I don't think they're this good, but they got a win yesterday over another division leader in the Redskins. Can you believe... I couldn't believe the stat. I had to look at it. I had to double-check my references on this one. In 1925, the New York football giants, your New York football giants, you started it out losing three in a row, won seven in a row. Since then, no NFL team has ever done Crazy. that. In, in 20... That's almost 100 years. No team has run won seven in a row after losing their first three. Uh, that's just tremendous. But you're know, right. I mean, they, their wins have been... You know, but, but again, they... Uh, uh, the, the, the rest of the season is not that hard. I mean, the four last four of their six games are at home. They're going to have the, the road games are Jets and Eagles. I mean, the the, the I mean the Texans. Uh, the Texans might be able to get this playoffs and win. They're up two games up on their division. Also, yeah. I think the Colts are a better team, but Houston's got they're in the driver's seat. So you know what, what's to stop them? Um, you know from, from going back and winning this. And I think again? the key for the Texans and the people. <laughs> The key for the Texans right now is Lamar Miller is their running back. He gets hurt every year. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson has stayed healthy. You also have J.J. Watt, healthy. They are healthy. They have a lot of good players that are staying healthy. I mean, this is a team that Bill O'Brien was going to get fired like the yeah. first three weeks. And now, but, you know, they're hanging in there. And again, they're in the playoffs and they're going to get, they're amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it, they are, you just got to get in the playoffs and see what happens. So you, we already talked about how, you know, we're, you're not that down on the Redskins now. I mean, obviously, it stinks to lose your starting quarterback, somebody you know that um, you know has been manning your team for uh, you know the entire season. But you think Colt McCoy is going to be able to get it done? You think the Redskins can hang on to this division? Well, this Thursday night's going to be the game when yeah, they play the, when, when Thursday they'll play the Redskins will play the Cowboys. They win that game. They go two games up on the Cowboys with five games to go. They probably so if they can. But if the Cowboys win the game, then it's then it's tied up. Yeah, and then they get the, the Eagles the week after that. So it's all divisions uh, division coming up uh, for that. I, I was interested yesterday in this game, Baltimore versus Cincinnati. Not only because Cincinnati is statistically the worst defense of all time, which because that is always fun to see. Um, Lamar Jackson getting his first start ever. What did you think of his performance? Well, I listened driving up there. I listened to like 10 fantasy shows. Everyone says, do not play Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is his first start. He's going to be terrible. He's going to be terrible. I know. College would call in. They would tell him he's terrible. Well, Lamar Jackson carried the ball. Uh, he was passed for 150 yards, and he carried the ball 27 times. For it was like no it's like trace McSorley for penn state showed up in the game it was amazing <laughs> what happened and he ran and they they ended up beating i mean the Bengals were four and one now they're five and five i mean the steeler game set them back after they lost to the steelers and then the Bengals, then the ravens started gus edwards from the practice squad from rutgers and he had 155 mm-hmm. yards rushing so for the game they had 265 rushing yards to 45 rushing yards for uh, cincinnati it was uh definitely you know when these passing a's of age the age of passing offenses Baltimore and Jacksonville were like, we're just going to run the ball. And they were able to do it. He looked 
he looked like a deer in the headlights sometimes, but other times he looked competent. It's his first start ever. You're not going to win, you know, they'll catch on to him rushing 27 times, but I think it's a good start for the kid. You think he fends off Joe Flacco? No, I think they had to put Flacco back. They they want to, they, they're an experienced team. They want to make the playoffs and, and do this. So they're going to stay into it. He will not be, when Flacco's healthy, he's going to start. He gives him the best chance to win. And when they're out of the playoffs, Lamar Jackson will finish the year out. Uh, um, you know, what's funny speaking about fantasy. Finally, we had a DJ Moore sighting. And of course, you know, he's uh, the guy I'm playing started him, you know, randomly it's week 11. There's a lot of buys. So of course I got, uh, I got that um, thrown at me. Highlight of my weekend. um, My buddy's in from Nashville, diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. So all we were going to do is watch the Eagles game at four o'clock and it went awesome. New Orleans absolutely rolled the defending Super Bowl champions. It was, it was record breaking. How many points, you know, a Super Bowl champ had never lost by 41 points or whatever it was. This game was a mess. And to me, Drew Brees is the MVP of the league right now. Oh, well, he's clearly the MVP. They're clearly the best team. Uh, they have all their skill position players. He is the maestro of this offense that with Kamara and Ingram. And since Ingram, people say, well, where's, where's the start? They really started. They lost their first game of the season. Now they won nine straight. But uh, since Ingram came back from his suspension, they've just been unbeatable. And he provides that that running game. I mean, he's running for 100 yards. Kamara is rushing, either passing or running, doing everything. As I said, I think Kamara is the second best running back in the league behind Gurley. Uh, and Carson Wentz doesn't look that good. I mean, no. he was 19 for 33, 156 yards. He threw through. Uh, three interceptions. I mean, it was just it's just not a very good game. And the, and the Eagles have been getting down and not being able to catch up, and, and they're just not playing well. And we talked about this earlier. Right? The Super Bowl hangover is definitely real. They probably were not that good last year. They they got on a roll. They won it, and now the teams are really they're getting up for the Eagles. Oh, because they're they're always they're going to be the defending champions until the end of the season. Um, how good does this look for Frank Reich right now? I mean, he's looks he's revamped the Colts. Uh, you know, from a team that's you know a perpetual three win team to you know a high power offense. Andrew Luck looks like a new guy and look how Philly looks once he's gone. It's crazy. Well, look at the other, look at your t- Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles, la- the Eagles last year. But the point is, is that also Kyle Shanahan, remember he was with yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta had this high powered offense. They were amazing. They were great. He goes to San Francisco. What does Atlanta's offense look like with all, with, still with Julio Jones. Nothing still with changed. Ryan. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Tevin Coleman, Devon, they're, they're there. But they don't have their offense coordinator. And it's just kind of the Philly, you know, granted you lost to Jai for the season, but other than that, that team's pretty much the same. The line, even their offensive line isn't playing the same. Right. That's just, goes to say a lot for Frank Wright. Good well, I think, and also their coach writes a book. I'm telling you, I don't, you win one Super Bowl title, you start writing books and start doing these things and everyone says you're a genius. You know, give it another year before you put this genius label on your, I mean, one year is one thing, but I mean, Peterson wrote that. Everyone said, oh, he's the next Belichick, you're the next Belichick, you're this and that. Um, I'm like, oh, you know, just you beat Belichick in the Super Bowl. Yes, that's great. But, you know, Tom Coughlin beat Belichick in the Super Bowl too and he got fired. <laughs> and beat him twice. 733, Iron Sports, 95.9, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. We've got uh, John Michael. He's your uh, Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy. Joins us at the 750. That's a great interview. Stick around. Ira, uh, going back to these coaches, look at what Matt Nagy has done with Chicago. I really, uh, this team is fun to watch. And I can't, the last fun Bears team to watch was Devin Hester in 05. This is not really a fun team to watch. I really like watching this team. And this 25 to 20 score over their, over their division rival Vikings isn't as close as the paper says. They they looked really good against the Vikings yesterday. Their defense is great. I mean, they have a great, great defense. The, Vi- the Vikings scored a touchdown at the end that was almost meaningless. Um, but the Vikings, first of all, the defense stopped Delvin Cook. The, the Vikings couldn't get any running game whatsoever. Everyone thought Cook was going to, Florida State was going to be this amazing running back. He was hurt last year, came back this year, and just hasn't played that well. They had only 28 yards rushing. But uh, Treblitzky is getting it done. Nagy's calling perfect plays. The 
team is fired up. I mean, this is a Bears team that looked so bad last year, and now look at them. Now. They're just it's it, again. They, some of these teams get their coaching hires right, and some of them get them wrong. And this was clearly a right hire. No, it absolutely was. Speaking about right and wrong, you think they're starting to reel a little bit about the Kirk Cousins signing in uh, in Minnesota? Not really. I he had a good game. I mean, he still put up two hundred yards, two touchdowns. I just feel like. Uh, they just got beat. I mean, <laughs> I think the Bears are a little bit better. Um, I was surprised. I love their offense. I love Diggs. I love Thielen. I love Cousins. I think they have a really good offense. I think that I really think that that they they're looking for more from Delvin Cook. They need to get that running game, and and that's going to be crucial for the Vikings to be successful. Um, I've been calling them a little bit of a smoke and mirror team all year. I just really didn't think the Chargers were that good at seven and two. Philip Rivers is, is probably a Hall of Famer. And it's tough to get in the Hall of Fame without a ring, but he, he, right now he probably would be. I really don't love the rest of that team. They were seven and two, and this was a, an ugly loss to Denver yesterday. You know, go Google when YouTube or whatever the final two minutes and thirty eight seconds. Just watch those two plays because I always talk about closing out games. I can't see a team that closed out more poorly with an experienced quarterback like Rivers. They were up, uh, they were up two points. Uh, with uh, it was second and four with uh, two minutes and 38 seconds to go and they ran this play it looked like a high school like Rivers looked it was busted he didn't know what he was doing he got he lost yards on that and then the next play instead of just running a play and running the clock out as again they did the uh, Denver had no timeouts they uh, Rivers just threw the ball on the ground like it was I don't know what Rivers played like for that those two downs like he was a the, you know a seventh grade high school quarterback I didn't understand what happened and that and McManus for uh, the Denver came down and kicked a field goal it was horrendous lost for Chargers at home after they played so well and it was a game that if they would have won that game and the Chiefs would have lost they'd been they'd be tied for the division lead yeah they were just a game back right. so it's crazy how that worked out um is there a team over the last decade that's been more hard to gauge week to week than the Tennessee Titans you have no idea what you're getting from this team every week they are a perpetual 500 team they love 500 9 to 7 great season 7 to 9 we'll try again next year that's the Tennessee Titans they looked awful yesterday. Andrew Luck picked that game was over in the first quarter. He Andrew Luck and Frank Reich picked them apart. I I enjoyed watching. Well, two weeks the last two weeks Tennessee beat Dallas twenty eight fourteen. They demolished New England as bad as any team has ever beat New England in the last how many years thirty four to ten. And they come in and they're playing Indianapolis and get blown out of the game. Indianapolis and like the whole week you heard about how Tennessee's offense is great and we were talking about Vrabel such a great coach I mean that was I mean clearly a letdown that they from the New England game but to get destroyed by Indianapolis now they're both five and five it was just that was crazy I, I they I can't even think predict them I, I have Dion Lewis on my fantasy team I'm not playing him at all I, I can't you don't know a, I don't know what to, <laughs> I don't know I have no idea how who would have thought that the same team that destroyed the Patriots would one week later look so bad against the Colts it, it made absolutely no sense and that's why you know I went to college in Nashville, and I was there when the team started. I have a soft spot in my heart for this team, but you just watching them every week. I have no idea what I'm going to get, and it, there's three things, there's three certainties in life, Ira: death, taxes, and Marcus Mariota being questionable, questionable to return. I mean, this poor guy. Every game, he's getting taken to the locker room. You can't win like that. Blaine Gabbert looked like trash after that. Not that he had much to work with, but either way. Not looking good for Tennessee after what should be a you know a playoff year. Um, all right, let's talk about the playoff picture, Ira. How do you think this is going to shape up? Because this next two weeks are make or break for a lot of teams. Well, this is like eliminate. I mean, it's exciting about this time of year because you have a lot of these teams. Well, first of all, let's see. Let's let's talk about the five and five like teams because there is. 
five teams that are five and five. The Dolphins, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Colts and the Titans are all five and five, which means, but it's weird. We say, what does that mean? Well, the Patriots are seven and five, Steelers seven, two and one, Chiefs nine and one, and Texas seven and three. They all have two game leads in the division. They're going to make, they're probably 90% going to win the division. The Chargers are seven and three. So now you have all these other teams, these five teams fighting for five and five. And they're, and they're fighting for that last wild card spot. And look at the Dolphins. They're Colts, the Bills, the Patriots at Minnesota, Jaguars, Bills. They have a chance to win games. Like, what's going to take of these five or five teams? Is it going to take eight wins? Is it going to take nine wins? Like, what's it going to take? But it's interesting to see. You have a bunch of you know, Dolphins, Ravens, Bengals, Colts, and Titans. They're all average. They're all terrible. You're like, well, what, who cares to make the playoffs? But they said, just make it. Something good could happen. Uh, very interesting. You think this is make or break for Adam Gase? I didn't realize the schedule down the stretch for the Dolphins. This is, this is, these are winnable games in here, a lot of them. I, I think it's make or break for him. I, you're looking. Let's, let's analyze this. The Dolphins, Ravens, Bengals. Uh, all three of those coaches could be Marvin Lewis, Harbaugh, and Gaze could all be fired at the end. Vrabel's not going to get fired, and the Colts just had not a new coach. But I, I think that from the Dolphins, Ravens, and Bengals, you, they, all three coaches could be fired. I, I lie. There's four certainties in life. One is Marvin Lewis never getting fired. <laughs> I don't know what this guy does. Uh, NFC is, is a little bit different. We know the, the top end, but after that, it's another muddied picture. It's totally muddy. You have the Saints and Rams are nine and one. Those are going to be one, two seeds. Impossible that I think even the Bears are going to jump in there. They're seven, three. They're behind that. But the next wild card is like six and four and five, four and one are the, the Vikings are actually at five, four and one are the second wild card. But then, so that means that all the teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys at Eagles are four and six. The Cowboys are five and five. The Packers four, five, one. The Falcons even at four and six. Seahawks is five and five. They're all in the picture. So it's just a total model for that last position. But clearly the Saints and Rams at nine and one are just the two best teams. Panthers, they got to be reeling now. Six and two, looking good. Now two bad losses in a row. And now you're six and four. Ron Rivera's making stupid comments after games. It's not looking good in Carolina. Ira, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, mostly for the food, but a lot of it has to do with sitting around and watching football all day. I can't wait. What are you thinking? It's going to be interesting games. I don't know. It's not the greatest games. Bears at Detroit. Uh, Bears... I could believe the line is minus three. I thought the really? Bears would be much more heavy favorite. Sounds like a trap. Uh, uh, Redskins at Dallas. Dallas is favored by seven and a half. Um, but again, I, I like McCoy. I think he's, first of all, he's from Texas. It's going to be cool going back down to Texas and playing. I, 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 I like uh, I like the Bears. I like the Skins. And then uh, uh, Falcons at New Orleans. New Orleans is, is a favorite by 13. So, But, uh, you know, the Falcons, they've got to score some points sometime. And this, this is another – it's tricky. It's a division match. You know, I, I, not that I think that they have any chance to win, but 13 points, a lot of points in a primetime division matchup. What about Sunday? What are we watching? Not that many great games on Sunday. It's weird. It's, uh, Green Bay at Minnesota is going to be – that's do or die between these two teams. I mean, this is – the Minnesota can yeah. end Aaron Rodgers' season on that. And then the, and the, you're going to start seeing these 5-5 five and five teams playing each other. Miami 5-5 five and five playing Indy 5-5, five and five, which is almost – starts acting – uh, acting as an elimination game between those teams. All right, guys, uh, let's keep moving. It's 741 Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, just about 10 minutes away from your Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy, John Michael, joining us. It's a great interview. You're really going to enjoy this. I have a friend who went to the Citadel, Ira, and he was posting all over Facebook when it was 10-10 <laughs> against Alabama. Um, things drastically changed after that. We're going to see Alabama and Georgia go next week. This is uh, going to be a huge game. Well, not next week, two weeks. Oh, I'm sorry, two weeks. Yes. 
the Citadel game was funny because it was ten. You know, they're playing and it's ten ten, and LSU couldn't score a point on them. But it just shows you these teams have got to show up. I mean, when Alabama turned it up and, and won, but it's weird. The SEC t- plays these. Yeah, Georgia played UMass. Alabama played the Citadel. Um, there were. I mean, all the teams, nobody had a tough game. There were only two great games all weekend, two absolutely amazing mm-hmm. great games all weekend. Uh, Clemson beat Duke 35-6. to six. I was interested in the game because Daniel Jones is the quarterback at Duke. People said pro prospect. Clemson played poorly and still wins the game 35-6. Uh, Notre Dame-Syracuse, that was supposed to be the game of the week, the mm-hmm. best game at Yankee Stadium since 1946 when Army and Notre Dame played when they were the game of the century. And that game was even close. I mean, yeah. I think Notre Dame. I thought Syracuse would put up a little more fight. But Notre Dame's skill is they knocked the quarterback. They have a very distinct plan: knock the quarterback go, uh, out, Dungy. <laughs> they did the same week before they did it. Boston College's quarterback they did it this week to Dungy of Syracuse in the first quarter, and then they just cruised these easy wins. Michigan beat Indiana thirty-one twenty. They're the four seed. Michigan is just but the D looked bad. Like I was not impressed. It was like probably the worst game I've seen Michigan play in a while. I'll tell you, Oklahoma 55, Kansas 40. This Oklahoma team, there is no defense. They have now given up 40 points the last three games. Kyler Murray is going to be in the one of the Heisman finalists, but Kansas scored a touchdown in the last four possessions. This is Kansas. The kids can't score right. anybody. <laughs> and this Oklahoma has the worst defense I've ever seen on a major team. They cannot. They just don't tackle. They don't even try to tackle people. And then one of the other, before we get to the two big games, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona. Uh, it was games at 10.30. You got to stay awake. Gardner Minshew, 43 for 55, 473 yards, seven touchdowns. He's going to be a Heisman finalist also. Washington State is really, really good. I think they're, they are they are totally underrated. Nobody watched them play. They didn't have any out-of-conference wins. They, their only loss was to Oregon. But, boy, they look good. Like, these teams look really, really good. And UCF had a good win over Cincinnati. Game day was there. Uh, but that was a blowout, 38-13. I mean, there was no close games of all the, of the whole weekend except for the final two. I was really excited that UCF just, uh, you know, steamrolled them. I like UCF, and I, I want them to win. So th- this was an exciting game. Game day was pretty pretty cool. The only thing that would happen with UCF, we talked about this a few weeks ago, they needed K- chaos which they didn't get they needed all these teams to lose and they need to be sitting there undefeated with everyone else having two losses it's not happening there's no chance to get in lsu also with two losses can't get in i mean there's these teams are not losing they'll just keep winning there's only it was only i mean one team this week almost lost and one team did lose but there's it's there's too much you know it's not going to happen now did you like the uh, penn state uniforms the Penn State. I mean, the Notre Dame. Uh, the Notre, Notre Dame Yankees are crazy. They that was so like sharp. Yankees. That was so weird. I really, really like those. I thought those were so... That's why I, it, uh, off the top of my head, it kind of looks like Penn State with the white. And then, <laughs> um, What do you want to talk about here? Florida State and Boston College. I, I really thought, you know, Boston College obviously wasn't going to win last week. But, you know, you're coming in, Florida State's, you know, beat up. These guys are conference rivals. And, the, you know, Boston College should have won this game handily. And they didn't. Boston College was up. This game was over. Florida State's four and six. They have first time in 100 years, not really. It's like 35, 40 <laughs> years, not going to a bowl game. And Francois threw a 74-yard pass to Terry with like a minute to go in the game and, and was able to win. And now they put to beat Florida and they can go to a bowl. Now, that should not be the standard. When, when they were, I mean, there was a year of times when Florida State was top, when they weren't top five, it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And they were like top five for like seven years in a row. Um, but now they're just hoping to get to a bowl. And then Miami beats Virginia Tech 38-14 and they're bowl eligible. But again, not to a big bowl. They're six and five, but at least both these teams now have a shot to be bowl eligible. You know how bad I wanted to see an update, uh, an upset Maryland over Ohio State. And I, I wanted that so bad. Didn't get it, but a great game. 
absolutely great game. Maryland was up 31-17 and <laughs> State just battles back and there's touchdowns and passing and the running back for Maryland ran for 298 yards and it was just tremendous. And then they Maryland, they go to overtime. Ohio State scores a touchdown. Maryland goes, they score on like two plays and then they did exactly what Carolina does. It seems like in the air, we're going to go for two now to try to win games. They, the guy was open in the end zone to win and the quarterback missed the pass. It was, um, you know, you, you're allowed to go for that in college when you're a 15-point dog. When you're the Carolina Panthers, you got to kick a field goal. Well, what happened? Well, we didn't go over that game, but in the Carolina-Detroit game, the, the Carolina went for two. They, I mean, they, were the, they were a favorite in the game. They go went for two, didn't get it, and, and they're saying, well, we're on the road, this we play. But you're right. Maryland was not as talented at Ohio State. It makes sense to try to win the game on a two-point conversion right then and there. But when you are the favorite, you go for the tie and keep playing because you're a better team. That's how it's supposed to be. Oklahoma State versus West Virginia. This was another uh, This was another great game. <laughs> Every game Oklahoma State plays is just crazy. <laughs> they have lost 48-42 to Iowa State, 35-31 to Baylor, 48-47 to Oklahoma. They beat Texas 38-35. They're crazy. They get down in games. They come back. This is Big 12 football. Nobody plays any defense. And they score a touchdown at the end. I mean, it was Every it was like the last six possessions they were just scoring, scoring, scoring. West Virginia stopped scoring. Will Greer, their great quarterback, and then they at the end of the game they started the twenty-five with forty-two seconds. He made it all the way down to the fourteen, and there were like two final plays to win. And Oklahoma State was able to win the game and and uh, knock West Virginia out of the playoff picture. Well, we'll get a couple of uh, decent matchups this week as compared to last week. What are you looking forward to on Saturday? Well. Uh, Friday is Oklahoma West Virginia which is a pick'em game and then Washington plays Washington State and Washington State's minus three that should be a really good game and then Saturday's games are great I mean you got Auburn versus Bama now can you believe the line of 24 and a half an Auburn Alabama game and then I even looked at the scalping like usually that's a game like 400 bucks for a ticket to get in it's like 10 bucks 15 dollars I mean Auburn fans have totally turned on their team Notre Dame's at USC the last chance that Notre Dame could lose they don't play in a conference championship game USC gets 10 points Florida Florida State Uh, Florida State's uh, getting four against Florida, which I was surprised. I thought it was Florida would be favored by mm-hmm. a little bit more. And Michigan, Ohio State. This is one of the first times, again, it's like one of these like a million year yeah. type things <laughs> that Ohio State is an underdog in a football game. They've been favored by so many regular. Now in the playoffs, they have been favored against. But in the, in the regular season, they're a four-point underdog at home against Michigan. I really like Ohio State plus the points in those Me games. Me too. And then Georgia's favored by 17 against uh, Georgia Tech, and Clemson's favored by 25 against South Carolina. So they're rivalry games with huge lines, um, and you expect games to be closer in these rivalries. These kids all have gone to the same schools, same high schools. They know each other. Uh, games should be closer. Ira, we like to uh, check in with you every week on Ira Sports about the NCAA playoff picture. How do you think this is going to shake out? Wow, it's Bama. Bama has Auburn, and they play Georgia. Then Clemson and then and Clemson has South Carolina and Pitt. They're going to be 20, you know, 25 point favorites on both of those games uh, for the next two weeks. And Notre Dame has USC and they're a 10 point favorite there. I just don't see Bama, Clemson, and Notre Dame losing. If Georgia beats Alabama, then it's clear those four teams are going to be in Georgia, mm-hmm. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. But if, as expected, Alabama beats Georgia, then you have an issue of the whole idea is does Michigan get in? Does Ohio State get in? Does Oklahoma? And because th- th- what will happen is Michigan, the winner of the Michigan Ohio State game, plays Northwestern, going to be a huge favorite in that game. Oklahoma uh, plays West Virginia, and then they play a conference title probably against Texas. And then what happens in that game? Or Washington State? I mean, really, I like Washington. I, right now, I think Washington State's better than Oklahoma. They're probably better than Ohio State. And uh, everyone's push, putting Michigan in this. Michigan would be that fourth team. I'm not sure. I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. And there, there could be some controversy between Ohio State, Oklahoma, Washington State. But that's it. That's really who we're talking about are going to be playing in the national championship. How badly do you think the Buckeyes want to end Michigan's season? 
Oh, they want to end it. I they mean, want they, to. They want to win by three touchdowns and just put this to bed. This is. I'm going to compare the Buckeyes to the Rams a little bit on defense. They're too good to play this bad. Mm-hmm. And eventually, these players are going to get their act together and play a great game. And I think this is the game. And Michigan's walking into this thing, you know. But this again, this in the last 15 years, they've only won two games. Um, and uh, this is. I think Ohio State wins this game. I, I I don't need the points. I think Ohio State's going to win this. I I, I think Michigan's going to be just. But um, it's. I don't like how Michigan played defense against Indiana. I think they played. They had. They peaked a little bit, and I think Ohio State just says, "Okay, for one week, we're going to show everybody how great we are, and we're going to win this game." And it could be one of those forty-two to fourteen games. It's seven fifty. Iron Sports ninety-five-nine. True Oldies Channel. In just about three minutes, John Michael, Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy. He's popping in. Ira, I think for the first time in what three years now, I think there's a chink in the armor in Golden State. There, they seem to, you know. If people don't don't know, of course, there's a little bit of a feud going on. You think they're going to right the ship here, Golden State? I mean, they are still the most talented team in the league. Well, it's so early, and I think time will heal wounds. But I'll say my point on this is that they did they suspended Draymond Green for a game because Draymond Green yelled it. Because I watched, I was watching the game live when it happened, not at the stadium, but on TV. Draymond just dribbled through three people, and Durant was open. He should have passed the ball to Durant. He didn't, and then Durant said, "You should pass it to me." And Draymond Green starts yelling at Durant, saying, "Quit the team," and yelling at him, and does what Draymond Green does. As someone who's followed Golden State well, I don't think Draymond Green's played well the last two years. I think he's his regressing as his talent. I don't think he's shooting well. He's not rebounding well. Clearly, last year in the finals, he couldn't play defense on LeBron. I don't think he's playing that good. And the team's saying, wait, we're building this $2 billion arena. Durant's the best player besides LeBron out there. We want him on our team. I don't think they have time. They don't have room for Draymond anymore. Uh, it, there's going to be some odd man out. I'm hoping this is some way to get KD into a Knicks uniform. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's the plan from here. Get him and Kyrie, and then uh, we'll, be, we'll be good to go. I love to follow the Heat. I, they don't look good. Well, they're six and ten. They lost to the. They lost to LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, he scores fifty-one points on them. Uh, Josh Richardson throws his. I mean, Goran Dragic now is out for. Uh, they don't know how many games for injury. Dwayne Wade's still on paternity leave. Uh, they're struggling. Now, the advantage they have is that all these teams are bunched up. They're, so they're not that far out of the playoff. But as I said, they're closer to the Knicks and the Cavaliers and the bad teams rather than the good teams. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go. And we'll certainly have months and months and months to talk about them. Ira, I know women who've taken less maternity leave than, than Dwayne Wade. He's been out of the, half the season now. Well, I think it was surprising that he didn't, considering that this is retiring at the end of the year. LeBron's coming back to Miami. There's a thought that he would maybe just fly in for the game, not to play, but to be there. Uh, this is LeBron's... Uh, is the last time he comes to Miami that that there's only time it comes all year to mm-hmm. Miami and and so Dwayne was in LA so I mean I'm not going to question what anyone wants to do but it was a little interesting he didn't even tweet about the game he didn't even tweet and say hey LeBron is great you know they did have these great they won two titles together it was a little weird that there was no there was nothing about them yeah no fanfare you know between them I, I thought we would have saw something uh, speaking of LeBron though you're heading back to Cleveland for the only time he'll be there all season I believe yeah we're going to talk about it with John Michael very exciting it's going to be great to see him come back to the Cavaliers. Ira, you know, with you and Sean both being big Duke fans, when I keep hearing about this Zion Williamson kid, I'm thinking, all right, another Duke guy, he'll be all right. This guy, you think he's the second coming? Second coming of LeBron. Yeah. I do. I think I think you're going to start seeing as he keeps playing, two things are going to happen. Teams are going to lose. They're going to realize like the Suns and, and like the Cavaliers and all these teams at the bottom of the NBA. And they're going to start realizing that this is a transformative player. This is a player that if we get on our team, he's going to score 20 some points are his first year. So someone we work into a rotation and he's going to every year game. He's going to look tonight. He looked amazing again. The more he plays, the more he's the better. He looks and these other teams are saying we need him. He is going to be the difference maker on a team. He is going to be you're going 
going to have him for five years. He's going to be a first-team NBA All-Star, maybe his first year playing. That's how good this player is. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch him watch it, but also see how these NBA teams deal with the fact that they could, you know, they're looking where they are. I mean, the Knicks get Zion Williamson. It's game time right now. I can't wait for game time. To be bad. It's been uh, since 73 was the last game time we had, and I wasn't, uh, wasn't alive yet. Iris, since you follow everything, you're into NASCAR. Joey Logano took down his first title ever. It's amazing. It's the first title that he won. They have a whole crazy convoluted system. Nobody understands how it's done. Nobody All knows. the top drivers are retiring in the, in the sport. We talked about it before. When we get out, when we get out of football season, we're going to do a little show more on NASCAR because it's so popular down in this area. The Daytona 500 right up the street. But the fact that Joey Logano wins the, 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 the title, and we're not even talking about it, I think that's an example of where NASCAR is going in the ratings and their attendance and everything. Speaking about ratings, you're going to be watching this Friday? It's Tiger versus Phil in a match play game. I'm kind of torn on this. I'm sure you're watching. How do you think it's going to play out? Who's going to win? Well, I think Tiger's going to win, but he hasn't played that well in these tournaments. He, uh, Fred Couples is known as been like the skins champion. I mean, they started playing these skins games and, and Couples was winning all those times. And, and then it was like the showdown at Sherwood, Tiger beat Duvall. And then Tiger in 2000, in the book I read about Tiger, he did not like the fact he lost, lost to Garcia at one of these showdowns. It was very, very mad. He never played Phil in one of these, but he was very mad he lost to Garcia and says, I'm never going to play singles. So that's why he started playing with like Sorensen and Nicholas. And then how about in this match? I don't even remember watching it. He played with John Daly, Tiger Woods and John Daly in 2005 to against Phil Mickelson and Retief Goosem. Now that's a match that they should replay on Golf Channel. Like that would be a great match. I'm, I don't even remember seeing that, but that was cool. But, I love the goose. But I definitely want to watch it. It's a Friday. It's going to be great to watch. Um, all right, before we wrap it up and get to uh, get to our man, John Michael, tell us what's going on in tennis. Well, Alexander Zarev, he wins the World Tour Finals. They have this final match, which is a round robin, so it's the final match of the year before the Australian Open. And what's interesting about it, he's the next young player that's supposed to be great. He's 21. All the other players are in their 30s, uh, in the top 10, except for Don McTheme. Uh, and the majors has been a disaster. He made the quarterfinals. He's been upset in the last two years. Is this finally next year? Zarev comes out and says, okay, this is my, I'm the best player in the world. He's from Germany. He's 21 years old. This could be his year, but he played well in this tournament, but he's got to do it in the majors. All right, guys, we are just about out of time. I want you to listen to an interview that we recorded earlier today with John Michael, the Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy. He was a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy this. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night, Ira on Sports. 95.9, the True Oldies Channel. This is Ira on Sports. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ira's here as well. Very special guest on the show. It's John Michael. He's your radio play-by-play announcer of the Cleveland Cavaliers. John, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us here on Ira on Sports. So you've had an interesting path from law to doing play-by-play for the Hagerstown Suns and Lake Erie Monsters, two very accomplished hockey teams, now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's not everyone's normal life progression, but very exciting stuff. <laughs> no, I, I'm the most uh, unnecessarily over-educated person in the NBA right now, I think. Uh, I went from actually practicing law uh, on a full-time basis to uh, something you might know a little bit about, Ira, to, uh, to doing sports. Uh, and, yeah, I worked my way up through the minors, did minor league baseball, uh, on to hockey, uh, and then went to the NHL before I came over to the NBA. So I uh, was certainly fortunate, certainly blessed to be heard by the uh, the right people at the right times, and uh, uh, it all culminated, I guess, in the uh, in the championship in 2016 uh, for the Cavaliers. So, uh, yeah, it, it, no question it's been a special ride. It's not the most ordinary ride. Uh, you're exactly right, uh, but it's been something that, that's been terrific. You know, you got to see a championship with the Cavaliers. You ever see a championship with the Hagerstown Suns? Just wondering, <laughs> in your, you know, your time doing that. No, I'm a huge hockey guy. It, you know, it seems like mo- usually people that are into hockey are into hockey. And that's it. And they don't, you know, usually delve off into the basketballs and the baseballs. But obviously, you know, you're a jack of all trades and you love everything. 
Well, it's, it is funny about it, like it, both basketball and hockey to me. It's it's so interesting how there's such a, a distinct fan base. You know what I mean? Very few Absolutely. people like both sports. Um, but you know, I'm you know I'm from the U.S. You know what I mean? It's not like I have, I'm specialized. I'm not a Canadian broadcaster, or whatever. So yeah, I've I've all I've done all of them uh, in my you know in my career, and I'm equally as comfortable with hockey as I am with basketball. You know what's interesting? I mean, people people always say. Well, hockey's got to be so much faster because there's you know so many guys out there on the ice. You know they're changing lines all the time, and it's so fluid and everything else. Truth is that the pace of the call really is about the same in basketball and hockey. You know when the ball starts popping around in basketball, uh, you know in the half court, you're going equally as fast as, as you are during a hockey game. So there's there's more similarities than you might think in a play by play department in doing both of those sports. You know, John, it's interesting. I've dabbled in a little bit of play-by-play here on the True Oldies channel and doing some sports in South Florida. I've never done hockey, but I've done basketball. I've done football. It, it seems like hockey, to me, would be the most difficult. It's very hard to depict what's actually happening on the You know, football, it's easy enough. 40-yard line, it's first and, first and goal, or, you know, first and 10. In hockey, it's very hard to depict that to someone who's not watching what they're actually seeing on the ice. That, for me, would be the hard part. You know what's interesting for me is that I'm I'm from Western Pennsylvania, so we grew up with the NHL, but we didn't grow up with the NBA, and I'm almost flip flopped. You know, I, it's, to me it, it's almost easier. I think it's because I just grew up with it. Uh, you know, and then I'm in Ohio now, and there was you know there were no Columbus Blue Jackets when you know our generation yeah. was growing up, and I think a lot of people just didn't know the game. So I, it's almost it's so funny you say that because to me it's. It's almost opposite. I think it's more natural for me to, to call a hockey game. It took it took me a while to build to where I am right now in terms of calling the NBA. So, John, this is Ira. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Um, eight years ago, I was at the Cav- the Cleveland Cavalier Miami Heat game when it was LeBron's first game back in uh, Cleveland. And people ask me, I've been to a lot of sporting events. They say, "What's the loudest event you've been to?" And I'm like, "Well, maybe Duke Carolina when they had the, with the Leitner Hurley uh, years, or or perhaps maybe Michael Jordan's last shot game when he was in Utah." But the loudest had been that game. The amount of booze that they did against LeBron. I mean, it was truly amazing. Now this Wednesday night, LeBron's coming back for the Lakers on. Wednesday night. I don't expect anything like that uh, at um, reception. But what do you feel about this Wednesday night with LeBron coming back with the Lakers for the one time all year they're going to be playing the Cavaliers? Yeah, I, I sure hope not. I mean, it, it, it can't. You're right. I mean, the vitriol and the hatred and everything else that, that took place on that first game back, uh, I think I actually think it's going to be fun. I think people are going to be happy to see him as as much as it's going to make Clevelanders skin crawl to see him in that purple and gold uh, in a Lakers uniform. Uh, I think it's going to be a nice night. I really do. I think they're, you know they're going to have the video tributes. Look, I mean this is a this is a city. This is a, a you know Northeast Ohio hadn't had a championship since the Lyndon Johnson administration <laughs> before the you know before the Cavs won in 2016 and the Browns before the Super Bowl was even the Super Bowl. And that was the last championship the city ever saw. So it, it was special. And I think, you know, everybody basically embraced this guy and said, that, you know what, this time we understand. If you want to go somewhere else, we get it. And particularly, you know, you, you kind of look at this team's record right now, the Cavaliers 2-12, and 12, and it's not all that different of a team that went to the finals each of the last two seasons. And you say to yourself, well, you kind of get the idea, you know, what LeBron was doing or what LeBron was thinking. So I, I think I can't wait for Wednesday night. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be good to see him again, you know, back in this building. And, and I sure hope it's nothing like what we saw eight years ago. Um, 
So has a title, this sort of falls on that, has a title ever meant more to a town than the 2016 title? I mean, I just, I can't imagine. I mean, I know they talked about the Red Sox when they finally won the title, but I think this was the greatest title for every city. I can't think of anything even close to it for what it did to the city. I mean, they're going to live off this title for years and years and years. I mean, there's a lot of, like if the Patriots win a title, two years from now, they're going to forget about it and want to fire Belichick. But the idea is, it just seems like that title will carry on for a generation of fans. Yeah, you know why? And I think it's because of all the near misses, you know, from, you know, over all the years. And, they, you know, the, the fumble and, the, you know, the Jose Mesa blowing the save in the end of the game and, and everything else, the drive. You know, you can just run down the list of near misses in Cleveland. And, I, you know, so no, I'm not sure there is. You know, in terms of cities winning titles, they finally did it. You know, the monkey was finally off the back of Cleveland. I think what LeBron brought to the city transcended basketball. It really did. I, I thought it gave people hope. I mean, just everyday people walking around gave them hope, not just in the sports world, but made them feel better about themselves when he made the decision back in 2014. And then two years later, he wins the title, and then two million of our closest friends were there in downtown Cleveland for the parade that took place a couple of days after the championship. So, yeah, it, it was special. It really was for a fan base that had been so beaten and downtrodden and had, had come so close so many times that you started feeling they were never going to win one. So, uh, yeah, it was it was something certainly special and uh, something that the, the, the city's never going to forget. And I think that's why on Wednesday, you know, they're going to look at this guy and say, hey, thanks, LeBron. Not, not to mention, too, you know, all the altruistic things that he does. And, you know, he, he donates millions upon millions of dollars back into Northeast Ohio for the kids and then for schools and everything else. So uh, he's a special guy. I think it's going to be a great night on Wednesday, and I think people are going to appreciate him for, uh, for what he did. Well, we had LeBron down here in South Florida for four years, so we got a taste of LeBron and saw his just commitment and two titles. But I guess the question is, you've been around him for all these years, day-to-day basis, being the radio play-by-play. What what do we what are some things about LeBron that the public doesn't see just watching the games? Is there any what what side of him maybe you can just enlighten the listeners a little bit? Well, it's it's not cliche when you say he's the first guy in and the last guy out. I mean, he literally is the hardest working guy on the floor each and every practice. The the first camp he was there, guys, we were sitting there and he he's so big and strong and fast. When he runs past you and you're sitting there, it almost makes that sound that like when a car runs past you, that little whoosh, like he's he's just that big and massive and strong and and he takes care of himself really better than any other athlete in any sport that I've ever seen. And one thing about his personality, it might be easy for you to imagine, but he can't lose. He can't lose at anything. And we've heard stories about Michael Jordan that way. LeBron is the same way. Can't stand losing, which is why, to me, I was curious how this Lakers season would work out because he knew he had to be patient this year. They're starting to play a little bit better basketball as of late. Obviously, he put up 51 down there in Miami, but uh, he's not a patient human. Uh, but but he's a great guy, and I, I have nothing but great things to say about LeBron James. And he's one of, in terms of basketball, there's never been anybody like him. And I, you know, I talk to the old timers all the time. Was Oscar Robertson like this? You know, his all around game. I said no. This guy's one of a kind, and we may never see anything like this ever again. Uh, so you know, I wish him the best of luck. Uh, you know, and that, like I said, I think it's going to be great to see him on Wednesday. Um, were you surprised when Kyrie, I mean, I think to the outsiders not following the team so much, they were surprised when Kyrie re- requested the trade. But did that, was that, so did you get a sense that there was something, there was some friction between Kyrie and LeBron? Or did, uh, did that come as a surprise to you as, as to everyone else? 
total surprise to me. Total. I, I mean, I've been around this team every day, and I never sensed that ever. And I mean, now listen. I mean, Guy Reed's a proud young man. You know, he he wants to do his own thing, and that obviously became clear when he demanded the trade, and you know, wanted to carry his own team uh, to those kind of heights. But no, did I sense that they weren't getting along? I didn't. And you know, it's it's interesting too. You look at those two years when they played together. I mean, Kyrie was taking more shots than LeBron. It's not like LeBron, you know, it's not like Kyrie didn't get a chance to blossom. Kyrie was shooting more than LeBron did during those two seasons. So, yeah, I was surprised. You know, it wasn't like he treated him like a little brother. It wasn't, you know, there were no outward signs that you, you could point to where you said, yeah, I think Kyrie's not happy. So I, it caught me out of the blue. I think it caught, I really think it caught LeBron out of the blue. Uh, and there was just a, just an article in The Athletic, I think it just came out today, talking about that, saying, you know, that LeBron said that was the beginning of the end uh, for this franchise. And, yeah, he was right. They didn't, you know, get close in terms of getting back to that level of the finals or, you know, being there. They, they lost, of course, in five the next year and four last year um, as the Warriors were, were clearly the superior team without Kyrie Irving in the lineup. So we're talking to John Michael, the Cleveland Cavaliers play-by-play radio per, um, person. Uh, I guess this year's team, <laughs> only two wins. But what's your impression with the team, especially the rookie Colin Sexton? I know it's a building team, but at the same time, there's a lot of veterans on the team. So with the same roster that you had last year. So what, what are your impressions so far this year? And do you think this team has what it takes to try to make a, a playoff run? Well, the first thing with Colin Sexton, I think he's, he's coming along. And I right now, I mean, the, the idea is with this team – Let's find, let's identify some core young players who maybe in two or three seasons from now, when this team gets back to near where it wants to be, can help this team down the road. And I think it starts with Colin Sexton. Uh, George Hill's been out of the lineup, but Sexton has started his last four games. Seems to get better and better every game. Still need, like a lot of young point guards, he still gets his own before he gets his teammates involved, and that's to be expected. He knows that's a part of his game that has to improve, but uh, I think he's going to be fine, the, the number eight overall pick in Sexton. He's a big part of what this team is doing moving forward. I also think we're going to see more youth from this team. I mean, I really do believe that the goal was to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season, and I think that you know that was indicated by the signing of Kevin Love to the massive contract to get him on board. But Kevin got injured early in the season. Cavs have already dealt with a number of injuries, and they've dug themselves a, a big hole, as you mentioned. Uh, so I think, it would, obviously, it would be tough to get back to the playoffs right now. I think what you will see is younger players getting a chance to step up, players like Jordan Clarkson, players like Rodney Hood, even David Nawaba, uh, Jetty Osmond, those type of guys. They're going to get some heavy minutes moving forward, I would guess. Um, just to see who can play and just to see who could potentially help this team down the road. I think that's the goal of this organization right now. Uh, thanks, John. I, and the one final question would be, I know you're a big Notre Dame fan because you went to Notre Dame. Um, you must have been very happy about Saturday's uh, win against Syracuse. And, and, what's, and are you predicting national championship this year? <laughs> I think that's a little aggressive. I think one, there's this one college team that seems to be uh, on a slightly different level than anybody else, but... Uh, yeah, I'd love to see them keep the three spot. I think they have a decent shot to beat Clemson. Don't overlook the USC game, by the way. I know USC's having a down year. Notre Dame finishes at USC. Always a tough game. Uh, but, man, they, Notre Dame has looked good. That Syracuse game was impressive. That's a good, that's a good football team that, that Notre Dame really dominated uh, last Saturday. So, yeah, I'm not predicting championship, but I, I, I will say, yeah, I give them a fighting chance against Clemson. 
Um, but I don't think anybody has a fighting chance against Alabama, to be honest with you guys. Well, thanks a lot, John, for coming on Iron Sports. Out, I'm going to try to make the game Wednesday night. I've been. It's really going to be. It's going to be an event to be there to see LeBron come back to Cleveland for his first time back wearing a Laker uniform. But thanks again for coming on Iron Sports. Well, if you do, come on, swing up by the radio booth and say hi. He is John Michael, your Cleveland Cavaliers radio play-by-play guy. Thank you so much for popping by Iron Sports.